Thank you for supporting Overcomers Christian Center. From wherever you're listening, we hope that today's message leaves you feeling empowered and equipped. Mark chapter 5, verse 35 and verse 36 reads as follows. While he was still speaking, some came from, from the ruler of the synagogue's house who said, Your daughter is dead. Why trouble the teacher any further? As soon as Jesus heard the word that was spoken, he said to the ruler of the synagogue, Do not be afraid. Only believe. Jairus' daughter is dead. But Jesus has a remedy. He is the ultimate healer. And he told Jairus, hey, don't be afraid. Only believe. Based on what I've just read to you so far this morning, I want to talk to you on this particular topic. Believing in the midst of interruptions. Believing in the midst of interruptions. Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, thank you for your word this morning. And we pray that the word of God will have free course and the lives of the people are going to be changed by your word. We bind the enemy right now, God, that will try to hinder or stop what Jesus is doing in the lives of your people. Father, I thank you for your interruptions, God. How you interrupt even during this particular season that we're in. You interrupt, but we know you got the best, uh, best for us in mind. Father, we thank you, God, that for your deliverance, your protection, and your prosperity operating in our lives, Father. Father, even in the midst of the interruptions we're seeing in our lives and in this nation, we thank you, God, that we're still walking by faith and not by sight. We still believe you in the midst of our interruptions. In Jesus' name we pray. Let those that are great say amen. In my opinion, as humans, we have a way which is, represents a, a style, a direction, a method or a manner of thinking, talking, acting that is developed over time based on our experiences, our relationships, socioeconomic status, the way that our parents raised us, and so forth. At times, we're tempted to forget that our way may not be God's way uh, for our lives. In fact, go with me over to the book of Isaiah, chapter 55. We'll be looking at verses 6 through 9. The book of Isaiah, chapter 55, verses 6 through 9. If you live long enough till you find out that your way is not the best way, no matter how smart you are, no matter what you have, what kind of advice you're getting, always remember God's way is the best way. Isaiah 55, starting at verse 6. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. The wicked got away, he says, forsake him. Unrighteous people have faults, he says, leave those faults alone. Let him return to the Lord and he will have mercy on him. And to our God and he will abundantly pardon. When we repent, God is merciful to all of us. And thank God for his mercy and his grace. Verse 8, for my faults are not your faults, nor are your ways my ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my faults than 
your thoughts. I want you to notice in verse 9, he says, excuse me, yeah, verse 9, or excuse me, verse 8, for my thoughts are not your thoughts. My thoughts represent my purposes, my means, my plans, my methods or devices. It's not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways. No, his ways represents the journey, the manner, the path, the direction, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. The, let, the Lord lets us know that we are not on the same level. That's why we need the Holy Spirit to help us in the way that we think, the way that we talk, and the way that we act. I believe that as Christians, when we walk this Christian journey, we may experience situations and circumstance as well as relationships with people that do not go the way that we think that they should. But the way that God has purposed them to go is always going to be the best way. For example, we we may think that he or she is the one. In our minds, we have planned the wedding, invited the guests, and picked out the house for the rest of our lives. But God spoke and said that he or she is not the one. Either we can choose to believe that or not believe that, whatever the case. But you understand that God has the best for your life. He has the best for your life. And even though we may deal with sadness, frustration, disappointment, and so forth with the relationships, the job, the business deal. They don't work out the way that we think they should. We must constantly yield our will, our desires, our intentions, our wishes to God's will. Jesus experienced the same thing when he was praying in the Garden of Gethsemane. When he simply said, not my will, but your will be done. Go with me to the Luke 22 and 42. The book of Luke chapter 22 and verse 42. Luke 22 and 42 reads as follows. Saying, Father, if it is your will, take this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. I like the will. talks about the purposes, the pleasures, the desires. What I wish, but what you have wished and determined to be done. I have one way, but you got a better way that should be done. I believe that today's text gives us a better example of how we have to trust God's will for our lives, even when we're facing some difficult and troubling problems and challenges. In my opinion, Jairus was facing a life-changing matter while dealing with other disruptions and interference in the midst of this particular situation. We see here in Mark, 5, 21 through 24, and Mark 5, 35 through 43, we see how the gospel of Christ impacted the household of a ruler of the synagogue, even in the midst of a major interruption. Interruption can be defined as an interference, a disruption, or an interviction. And do I consider this major? Yeah, this man's daughter was at the point of death. So we look at Mark 5, 21 through 22. Jesus meets Jairus, one of the rulers of the synagogue, who instantly fell at Jesus' feet when he saw him. Those Mark 5, 21. Let's go back over to Mark 5, 21. Mark 5 and 21. Now, when Jesus had crossed over again by boat to the other side, a great multitude gathered together to him. 
gets gathered to him, and he was by the sea. Verse 22. And behold, one of the rulers of the synagogue came, Jairus by name, and when he saw him, he fell at his feet. So when he failed, it means he went prostrate. It's no longer he has power. He is falling to the, from a place of authority to a place of submission. I like the fact that he failed. He, uh, when he failed, when he saw Jesus, he discovered Jesus. He discerned Jesus. He put his eyes, his natural eyes upon Jesus. Now, Jairus wasn't no ordinary individual. Jairus, whose name means who, whom God enlightens, his name means whom God enlightens, was a ruler in the synagogue. The synagogue would consider be a temple or a church during that particular time. Now, a ruler of the synagogue has a unique responsibility. It was his duty to select the readers or teachers in the synagogue to examine the discourses of the public speakers and to see that all things were done with decency and in accordance with ancestral usage. G. Jairus had heard many people speak. He had heard many discourses. He had heard many people talk. And somewhere in the midst of that, he had heard somebody, this is my opinion about this, heard somebody talk about Jesus. Oh, he heard somebody talk about Jesus. See, faith come by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And so when you hear somebody talk about Jesus, I'm glad they didn't water Jesus down. They didn't say he was an ordinary man, that he was somebody, he was not just Mary's son, but this man got power. Are y'all following him? This man got power. He can, he's been healing blind folks. He's been healing the sick and disease. He's been casting out devils. He must have heard about Jesus because he believed if he got a hold of Jesus his daughter would be made whole. If you know about Jesus. and Oh, thank you Lord. Before I go there, we got to make sure that we tell the right story about Jesus. He's not just a carpenter's son. This man got power in his hands. This man can cast out devil. This man can lay hands. This man can, listen, he got to lay hands on the sick. You can just pray in Jesus' name and your daughter and your son can be made whole. He can cast out any devil. Oh, you think the legion was something to God? You ought to see what God is doing today. He is doing all types of great things in the midst of his people. Why? Because we don't serve a weak God. We serve a strong God. We serve a mighty God. Oh, let, oh let, Lord, get excited about that. Let me move on a little further. Let's talk a little bit about the rule of a synagogue because I want you to understand a little bit more about how it worked. Let's go to Acts 13 and 15. Acts 13 and 15. Even Paul, in Paul's day, they dealt with the ruler of the synagogue. Acts chapter 13 and verse 15. See, we, I want to show you a little bit more how the ruler of the synagogue worked. Acts 13 and verse 15. And after the reading of the law and the prophets, the rulers of the synagogue, the ruler of the synagogue sent to them saying, men and brethren, if you have any word of exhortation for the people, say on. Paul and and Barnabas had went to a synagogue in Antioch, and while they, they went to the service, 
and the ruler of the synagogue came up to Paul and Barnabas and asked, do you have any words you want to say? And from there, Paul began to preach a powerful sermon you can read on in Acts 13. This is what the ruler of the synagogue did. He heard many people and, and he, and he heard and he also would give people the opportunity to speak and to talk. Now I can imagine he heard some eloquent words. He heard some people that would talk, but it's something about when Jesus began to speak into your life. It's nothing like when God began to give you a rhema word that would change your life for the better. It's nothing like when you're going through a rough trial and God speak to you, you know, this too shall pass. Oh, it's nothing like hearing a word from God. And there's something about when you hear the right word, it may not be for that particular time, but it don't. Don't listen, don't never underestimate what God is preparing you for. For he said he will show you things to come. Even before you deal with it, sometimes God got to prepare you for it before you deal with it. Mm. Somehow the ruler of the synagogue, Jairus by name, had heard something and I'm sure that it prepared him for what he's about to deal with today. It had prepared him for what he's about to deal with in our particular text today. Even though we made, uh, excuse me, I'm sorry, getting ahead of myself. One thing about when we look at Jairus' life and we look at what he went through and, and you find out that he came to Jesus. He humbled himself. He humbled himself when he approached him. He fell to his feet. And, he, uh, and this is what we need to understand. We have to work on ourselves so that we can recognize how much power Jesus has and how little power, how little power we have without him. Mark 5.23. Go to Mark 5.23. Mark 5.23. And bade him earnestly saying, my little daughter lies, notice this, at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her that she may be healed and she will live. He begged him. He petitioned him. It came to him. Jesus, if you'll come and lay your hands on my daughter, she'll be healed. She'll be healed. And Jared is a good example to follow because he petitioned Jesus to come and make an appearance in his house. As head of household, we have to seek Jesus to come on behalf of our families as well. Based on that same text, Jairus believed that if Jesus would come and lay hands on her, she would be healed. She'll be delivered. She'll be protected and preserved. She'll be made whole. She'll be made well. And she will not only that, she will live. She'll begin to enjoy real life. She'll have a true life. She'll be active and blessed and endless for what she has to do for the kingdom of God. Understand, she was only 12 years old. She really hadn't lived her life yet. And so God, Jairus wanted his daughter to live. We have a father who we see here is desperate to have his 12-year-old daughter who is at the point of death to be healed before it's too late. In my opinion, Jairus, Jairus had a view of how he wanted Jesus to heal his daughter. But Jesus had another way. Woo-wee. We have to learn how to let Jesus do things his way in order to get the best results. Even though in our mind we may think we know how it should be done. 
Mm-mm. You ain't lived long enough till you find out your way is not the best way. You got to humble yourself before God. And say, God, you know what? Not my will, but your will be done. Oh, you got to do it your way, God. Yeah, I think I know how it should be done. But, God, you got the best way for me. Because you know better than I do what's going on in this situation. You know the ins and the outs of this situation. You know the ups and the downs of this situation. Yeah, I'm frustrated with but, God, I want your will to be done. Yeah, I'm disappointed you didn't do it before at the certain time limit. But, God, you know what's best in this situation. Lord, you allowed me to go through this right here. But you know what's best for me. You know the end result's better than I do. We got to learn how to trust him in the midst of what we're dealing with. And let me say this to you before I go on further. This is not always easy from a human standpoint. Listen, my opinion, it's not always easy to trust God, especially when in your natural mind, you can see it being done another way. You can see your natural mind that it looks proficient. And listen, if we just go down I-20, that's a quick way to get to Atlanta. Your GPS never kicked on saying, we need to go and take some back roads to Atlanta. Like, man, I don't want to take no back roads. But see, what you don't know, 20 miles down the road, they got construction backed up for five miles. And they going 10 miles an hour up to Atlanta. And they, and listen, even GPS know how you are when you get in traffic like that. And so now, Jairus has to do it God's way. He has to do it God's way. Now, uh, in this particular account, we see a father who's going through. Oh, let's go to another scripture before I go into that. Second Chronicles 7 and 14. 2 Chronicles 7 and 14. Because it's important that we humble ourselves before God. We got to humble ourselves. Notice God don't humble us. We humble ourselves. 714, if my people who are called by my name will humble humble themselves and pray. Notice we got to humble ourselves and pray and seek my face, and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven. I will forgive their sin and heal their land. Humble means to bring self under subjection, to bring down low or bring to the place where God wants you to be. Remember, not too high, not too low. We don't be like the children of Israel and we see ourselves as grasshoppers before their eyes. That's too low. God never meant for us to go that long. He meant for us to think the way God thinks about ourselves. Isn't it amazing how when we humble ourselves, God promises three things for us in Second Chronicles seven fourteen. One, assurance that God hears hears our prayers. He not only hears he he understands our prayers. He listens to them. He also regrets our requests. He hears our prayers. Two, he promised to forgive us our sins. And Lord, thank God that we have forgiveness of sins. Woo, thank you so much, Jesus, for forgiving us of our sins. I only got two or three amens right now. You must ain't got no sins. The rest of us, pray for us, because we need forgiveness of sins. And the only one that can forgive you is Jesus. Woo, Shonda. Lord, man may or may not forgive you, but God will forgive you. That's why he shed his blood back on Calvary. 
And number three, promise to heal their land. Heal, to make whole, to repair, to mend our land. Thank God for these three promises that God gives us when we humble ourselves and pray and turn from our wicked ways. Thank God he hears us, he forgives us, and he heals us. Woo! Thank you for healing not only our bodies, but our minds as well. Because, see, sometimes we need our mind healed probably more than our body healed sometimes. Because if our mind is healed, our bodies will fall right in line. Sometimes we think and talk and act in ways that are contrary to God. And so, therefore, he has to heal our mind. Thank you for healing our mind, Jesus. Let's go back over to Mark 5, 24. Mark, Mark 5, 24. We see here in Mark 5, 24 through 34, everything was going to Jairus' plan, and then an interruption took place. He, was, he had came to Jesus. He had humbled himself. He had asked Jesus to come to his house and heal his daughter, and then him and the crowd were headed that way. I can imagine all these people, we're going over to see y'all. I, we ain't got nothing else to do. Let's go on over there. You, you can get that water later. Come on, let's go on over there. Child, you can make that dinner later. We're going over and see what's going on. He had a crowd of folks with him. He had a crowd. In fact, they were throwing him. They were hitting up against one another. There were so many people going over. And all of a sudden, there's a woman that stepped into the midst of what she was going, where he was going. And she said, and can, uh, uh, look, look, before I say that, let me say this. Can you imagine if you were Jairus and you're on the way you have your daughter healed? Who was at the point of death? And all of a sudden, Jesus comes across a woman. And the woman actually came across Jesus' pathway. Think about if this is Jesus right here. And they're on their way. And say, you're going that way. They're going that Everybody's going that way. And all of a sudden, there's a woman that comes up and touches Jesus. And this keeps moving. She goes this way. I'm thinking in my mind. I don't really know. She goes this way while the crowd's going this way. But when she touched him, power came out of him. Power, not just any type of power, but miracle working power. Because she didn't touch him with just a natural touch because people were pronging against him. The disciples said, hey, everybody hit against you, Jesus. They ain't the only one that hit against me too. They hit, they hit everybody hitting us. You ever walked in a crowd before and people hitting up against you? Before social distancing and hit in? <laughs> and so they touched him and, and power came out of him. And, and, and I imagine she went her way. And notice, Jesus, excuse me, excuse me, back up a second. The woman don't stop the crowd. Jesus stops the crowd. This is what you need to understand. It will almost look like he don't have control of the situation. It will almost look like that he don't, he forgot about Jairus' daughter. It will almost look like that he almost got a little sidetracked by what he was doing. But he knew exactly what he was doing. He knew exactly. Let me tell you something. Don't you ever underestimate that God is not control of what's going on around you. When you say all these interruptions coming up, all the, the stuff about the pandemic, all this racial tension, everything going on, don't you ever think God has lost control of what's going on around here? Don't you ever think at your school God has not lost control of what's going on in your school? Don't you ever think God has lost control of what's going on in this country and any other country that's around? Don't you ever think that God has lost control? He will allow an interruption 
to take place. He will allow an interruption to take place. Interruption can be defined as stopping the continuous progress to cause or make a break in the continuity or uniformity. This was a woman in need of a healing. Woman in need of a healing. Mark 5 and 30. Mark 5 and 30. Let me read this to you. And Jesus immediately, knowing in himself that power had gone out of him, turned around in the crowd and said, who touched my clothes? On the way to Jairus' house, and he stops and says, who touched my clothes? Who touched my clothes? Who touched them? Who clinged to them? Who fastened himself to them? And it goes on to read, let's read down 31. But his disciples said to him, you see the multitude throwing you. And you say, who touched me? Everybody was touching Jesus at that time. But not everybody was touching him with faith and with power. Oh, Lord. Boy, that could preach right there, couldn't it? Can you see? And even in church, people are close to Jesus, but still not really touching him. Can't you see people coming into the house of God on Sunday after Sunday still not really touching Jesus? Can't you see people coming close to him, thronging up against him, but not getting the power out of him? I don't, let, let me say this to you. As a church, as a body of believers, we don't need to get that close to Jesus and not touch him in faith. We need to touch Jesus by faith. You don't need to be rubbing up against him and not getting anything from him. You don't need to be praying and not getting nothing from your prayers. You don't need to be giving and not getting nothing from your giving. You don't need to be believing and walking in faith and you're not seeing the manifestation of what you believe in God for. Oh, we don't need to be like that. As a church, as a body of believers, we don't need to be gathered here on Sunday after Sunday and still leave in the same way that we came in. We need to see some changes take place in our lives. We need to see some changes take place in our families. We need to see some changes take place in our finances. We need to see some changes take place in our lives. Touching Jesus, but not getting nothing from it. But touching Jesus and getting a miracle from it. Same crowd, only one person. Can you imagine a crowd of folks? I don't know how many it was, the Bible didn't say. But can you imagine a hundred folks rubbing up against Jesus? Only one got his attention. I don't want to come to church Sunday after Sunday and not get Jesus' attention. I don't need to come here and keep giving and giving and God never bless me in return. Pastor, I'm not doing anything for God to bless me. I beg to differ. You insult God when you don't expect nothing from him. You, you he said he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. God expect for you. Because you, you, who else are you going to expect it from? You expect it from your job? You expect it from your business? You expect it from your family? Oh, these things are limited. When God is unlimited. Unlimited God. He wants you to give. You know what? I, I used to, uh, one thing about my mama and my grandma and then when I was coming up, you insulted them, but you didn't eat none of their food. 
when they went through all that and cooking and preparing something and all that kind of stuff, they wanted you to get a plate. They looked at you funny if you did. What you mean? Something wrong with you? Something that happened? You can't eat my food no more? I said, well, mama, grandma, you ain't got to worry about that. <laughs> if you don't mean to have no food, don't even offer it to me. Because you offer it to me one time, it's going to pop it. Now, y'all follow me? Come get you a plate, son. All right, then. I'm, I'm going to be talking about around, around those folks. Are you sure you want me to have some? Because some people, they offer you something. They really want you to have none. But she the real deal. When you go to God, God, you insult God when you don't expect nothing from him. A God with unlimited resources. Well, God, I don't know if I want you want me to have it or not. Really? Why did God go through all that he went through? Not to get you what he all the plans he did, all the purposes he did, all the stuff he did, and he turned the heart of the king towards you. You know he meant for you to have it. He meant for you to have it. He's a teacher, and I was wrong when I taught it too, where he may or may not want you to have it. All the promises of God in him are yes and what? You might as well expect, who else you going to expect it from? You expect the government to take care of you? Please. You got to trust God. You got to trust God. Hallelujah. All right, let me move on. Let's go before I get excited. So now, now, Jesus stops asking who touched me. Let's go to 5, 32, and 33, and 34. And he looked around to see her who had done this thing. Like I said, Jesus knew who touched him. He went asking for his sake. He was asking to teach a lesson in this situation. Because nobody pointed it out. Because only one he, <laughs> nobody had to point her out. Jesus knew exactly who touched him. Notice what he says here in 32. And he looked around to see her who had done this thing. Well, why went it into him? Why went it? Are y'all seeing that? He knew who touched him. Verse 33. But the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing that what had happened to her, came and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. And he said to her, daughter, your faith, not my faith, not the disciples' faith, not anybody else's faith, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your affliction. Notice this. He said, your faith has made you well. Nobody else had enough faith in here to touch me. But you had faith to touch me and you were made well. You were made well. Hallelujah. So the woman with the flow of blood does not, she don't ask Jesus permission, does not even ask Jesus to stop and lay his hands on her so that she'll be made whole. She simply touches Jesus' garment and she is made whole. I can imagine the possibility. I, but look back at Jairus. I can imagine his faith. It's, this is my mind. I, he doesn't say this. This is my mind beginning to dwindle. Knowing that his daughter is in the middle of a crisis at the point of death, when he saw Jesus stop and begin to ask the questions of the crowd. Can you imagine Jairus leading the crowd over to his house? He's, he's in front, probably in front because he got to lead people to his house. And all of a sudden, Jesus stopped and started asking who touched me. And know that his daughter is at the point of death. This is my mind. I imagine his faith was dwindling. If you're Jairus, I wonder 
what you thinking? In my imagination, I see Jairus wanting to tell Jesus, hurry up! My daughter is about to die. I can see him, this is my mind, see him thinking, this is not that important. She home. We can keep on going. You ain't got to teach this lesson. Why are you stopping? And we come back to her. Just get to my daughter. My 12-year-old baby girl. I'm seeing this from Jairus' standpoint. I have Jairus in my mind. I'm thinking this. I have the one who can heal my daughter. And he has stopped to find out who touched him. Especially the crowd where people were so close to him in the first place. Jairus has an interruption. He has an interruption. He is feeling the pressure of this particular problem many times like we do. Pressures of bills needed to be paid, but you got an interruption. Pressures of loved one being sick, but you got an interruption. I was thinking about this. Pressure to get a better paying job, but you got an interruption. Pressure to achieve despite obstacles in school, but you got an interruption. In the middle of a pandemic, interruption. Race attention, interruption. To vote or not to vote, interruption. It's in the middle of an interruption. Do you still believe God when the plans are not going the way you thought they should go? When the country is not going the way you thought it would go. Even when your church, talking about OCC, is not going the way we started out in January and February and March. An interruption. I don't know what kind. You may have plans to go on vacation, but an interruption. You had your finances. You had, I'm going to do this with my money. I'm going to do this with my money. And all of a sudden you notice that you ain't did nothing that you thought you was going to do. Because what? An interruption. An interruption. You got to stop planning going one way. And all of a sudden there's an interruption. And you know what amazes me about this interruption? Some people act like God and got off the throne. Oh, look how y'all looking in here now. Some people are believing everything they say on social media and the news media. And they change their mind every day. I didn't say every day. Quite often I put to you like this. How do you handle it? Handle it this way this day. Two days later, handle it this way. Changing their mind. And which is normal to me. Because why? The human beings. They are limited in what they know. I don't get mad at folks that change their mind. Because they're humans. What human do you know that don't change their mind? I want you to look around this sanctuary real quickly. You see anybody here that don't change their mind at some point or another? I need to know that person. Because there's only one I know that's the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. His name is Jesus. And he don't change his mind. You know God said, I, I bless you. I, I, listen, I'm not going to let no pandemic stop me from blessing you. I'm not going to let COVID-19 stop me from blessing you. I'm not going to let racial tension stop me from blessing you. I'm not going to let the school, whether you go or don't go, stop me from blessing you. I'm going to bless you because I did not change my mind. 
I know the plans I have for you. Yeah, I know your thoughts may be all over the place, but my thoughts are still the same about you. They are still the same about you. Woo, Shonda. <laughs> Woo. All right, here we go. Mark 535. I want to read that to you because I'm still thinking about what Jairus is going through. Why he was still speaking. While he was still speaking. While he was still wondering about his daughter. While Jesus was talking to somebody else, somebody comes up to Jairus with a medical update on his daughter. By not just anybody, folks from his own household. Somebody who he knew had what we consider correct information. It says this. Your daughter is dead. Why trouble the teacher any further? Now, dead means she had a natural death. She was non-responsive, no longer alive. She was dead. Some people say, well, uh, well, she wasn't really dead. Let me tell you something. She was really dead. And Jairus, I'm thinking of Jairus' mind. What if Jesus would have gotten there sooner if he had not been interrupted? What if there wasn't an interruption that took in place, taking place and he said, you know what? What if he wouldn't have stopped and ask who touched my who touched my clothes. Would she still be alive right now? Would she still be alive? My twelve year old daughter. And no doubt Jerry's source of information was trustworthy, at least in his mind. Many times we tend to believe that our source of information is trustworthy. And sometimes it may or may not be trustworthy, especially when it relates to God's word. And this is what you need to understand about faith. Faith faces reality but does not succumb to it. I'm glad that the man did not allow fear to guide his decision to his household deliverance. Immediately when Jesus heard the word that was spoken, in my opinion, he realized that Jairus may have been attacked with thoughts of fear, doubt, and not of faith. But Jesus has a response, just like he does for us. Notice what he says. Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. Mark 5.36 Only believe. Do not be afraid. Don't be terrified. Don't be scared. Don't be seized with alarm. Don't be startled. Only believe. Take it to be true. Trust me, Jairus. Place your confidence in me. Be persuaded that what I told you I'm going to do, I'm going to cause this thing to come to pass. The whole sermon from Jesus that's going to impact his daughter's life 
is summed up in six words. Can you imagine Jairus had heard sermon and dialogue after dialogue that was longer than six words because he was ruler of the synagogue, but now he got he heard a sermon of six words. He got to make a decision. Do I believe what he just told me? Six words. Not, listen, he had heard dialogue after dialogue. He was a ruler of the synagogue. He had heard people preach from all, from all types of points of life. And now it breaks down to six words. Six whole words. Depends on his family, his wife, the mother of the daughter, the daughter herself, and Jared's wife himself. The whole Sermon is six words. And he had to choose whether or not he was going to believe these six words. Sometimes it's not the length of the sermon. It's what you choose to believe from the sermon. That's going to make the difference in your life. Listen, when you get your rhema, if it's just three words, it could change your life for the better. If it's all, if it's 455 words, it can change your life for the better. But you got to choose to believe. Despite, hold on, what they just told you. They weren't lying to you. Your daughter wasn't actually dead. Listen, let me tell you something. One thing I've learned about what God, God will work on us each Sunday we come into his house. He will give us a word that will prepare us. He'll say, hey, Dobbs, do not be afraid. Only believe. You don't know what you're about to hear tomorrow, next week, next month. You don't be, do not be afraid. Only believe. You don't know what you're about to get in the mail. What email they're going to come your way. What they're about to say on your job. What they're about to say in your finances. What they're about to say, what the doctor about to say to you. But he's telling us this morning, do not be afraid only. Boy, that's a rainbow for somebody in this sanctuary this morning. Somebody needs to hear that. I don't know what you're getting ready to deal with next week. I don't know what your school getting ready to happen. But do not be afraid only. Can you see when the supervisor call you and fear try to rise up in you? Do not be afraid. Doctor says, Mr. Dobbs, I got something to tell you. What's God saying? Do not be afraid, Dobbs. Only believe. You go to your account. You know how sometimes we like to check our balance before we do some stuff. And we check our balance and it's not as much as what we thought was in there. Do not be afraid. You get ready to get your car fixed, and you get just get the oil changed. But they find something else. Do not be afraid, only. Well, you see what God talking to us today. I don't know who this is for, but I believe for all of us at some point or another. You may not use it next week. You may not even use it in the month of October. But sometime or another, somebody gonna tell you something. Somebody gonna bring something to your attention, and you gonna have to make a decision. Do not be afraid; only believe. When they had the pandemic come out, what did God tell us? Do not be afraid; 
when we say COVID-19, do not be afraid. Only believe. Rates of tension. They marching up in Villarica, y'all. Do not be afraid. Only believe. Oh, they're going to do something with your bow. Go ahead and vote anyway. Do not be afraid. Only believe. Are y'all following me? Don't you believe what these people are telling you all over the news media and everything else? Well, you don't believe. You got to believe God. Do not be afraid. Only believe. Do not be afraid. Who shined that up on that? Hallelujah. I could take this father, but for time's sake, I'm going to stop it right now. That just, I think that we need to stop right now and get this in our spirit. That whatever you're going to face in life, whatever comes your way. And I'm, I'm not just preaching to y'all, y'all. I'm talking to myself. Because God, who knows what I'm going to come against next week, next month, so forth and so on. Let me tell you, you do your budget. You got to look at that and say, whoo, do not be afraid. Only believe. They tell you you got to get your car fixed. And you need this much money. Do not be afraid. Only believe. You get ready to do your business, and all of a sudden they say, you need more than this, what we originally planned? Do not be afraid. Only believe. You at school, and somebody, listen, in your school has came down with it. Do not be afraid. Only believe. They say, you may have it. Do not be afraid. Only believe. You start coughing. Broke, get a little funny. Do not be afraid. Only believe. Are y'all seeing it? Boy, is that, is that a rainbow for us today? How many agree that God has just given us a rainbow right there? I'm going to hold your paper. I'm coming right back to this point. <laughs> Keep on going, all right? Stand your feet. I'm done. Thank you so much for listening to today's message. Please subscribe to our podcast. And if you're ever in the Villarica area, you can visit us at 3193 South Van Wert Road in Villarica, Georgia, on Sunday mornings at 10 and Wednesday evenings at 7. You can also reach us at 770-459-6221. That's 770-459-OCC1. Follow us on Facebook at Overcomers Christian Center and visit us online at OCCVR.org. We pray that you're empowered and equipped in today's world.